listening to First Church Charlotte. with me uh, Ruth chapter number one. If you'd like to stand for our scripture reading, we're going to read in Ruth chapter number one. Uh, special thanks to all of our team that makes the service possible. Our, our, our worship team works hard, practices hard, our volunteers, our greeters, our ushers, our Sunday school teachers. Uh, this would not, our services could not happen without all of these people working and serving. And let's give all our volunteers a hand here today. Amen. 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 We are welcoming uh, the Mellix family to our leadership team here. Uh, Nathan was up here leading us in worship today. And if you haven't met his wife, Holly, she's around here somewhere. Just look for the spiritual half of Nathan and you'll, and uh, she's somewhere right over here. And oh, there she is. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm having moments of distraction. And so um, they're great people. Two beautiful boys, Isaiah and uh, Isaiah. Isaiah and Aaron. I will keep wanting to call him Isaac. It's really close. It's a fair error to make. Uh, so I'm um, glad to have them on board. And uh, Nathan's one of my music students. I've been developing him for some time. And uh, I'm really pleased with that. And so... <laughs> I love y'all. This is so good to be in the house of the Lord with you. Ruth chapter number one, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine. Somebody say famine. Famine. Tough times, tough times in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Ameliak and the name of his wife was Naomi and the names of his two sons were uh, Malon and Chilion, Ephraim of Bethlehem, Judea. They went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then, somebody say then. Life happens like that. That's how life happens. You're going along, then, boom, then. You get the phone call. Then the doctor gives you the look. Then your friend hurts you. Then everything changes. You were just going along, then. Uh, Ameliac, Naomi's husband died. She was left and her two sons. They get married. Orpha and Ruth are the wives. They stay there about 10 years. And then both Malon and Chilion died. And so the woman, the women survived her two sons and her husband. She decides to go home. And uh, one daughter-in-law... Orpha decides to stay. One daughter-in-law, Ruth, decides to go. And uh, real quickly, let's jump to verse 16. I love this passage. One of the most beautiful uh, commitment readings you will will really find anywhere when Ruth says to her mother-in-law, and I love this passage. I find it's often in my spirit. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And then notice this one. And your God shall be my God. Your God, my God. I want to preach from this subject of choosing God. Choosing God. Don't you want to choose God in your own life here today? Let's worship him one more time. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We praise you. We glorify your name. Touch us today in this house in Jesus' name and help me to do a great job so my wife will be happy too, Lord Jesus. Amen. Before you're seated, high-five your neighbor and say, I want a lot of amening going on around here. Say, the preacher gets long-winded if you get quiet. 
Amen. I, I really do wish I could convey the love I have in my heart for all of you, uh, even those of you who haven't had a chance to, to get to know uh, and spend a lot of private or personal time with. I have the affection that can only come from, jo- from the Lord knitting you together with somebody in a shared purpose and a shared goal and a shared dream. And uh, ultimately, that is how all churches are brought together into unity of purpose. All churches go through seasons. They go through uh, times. They uh, All churches... Uh, um, uh, that's part of being a church, but the Lord knits us together and he puts us together, not simply because we're on the same road, but because we have something to offer to one another. So uh, I need something from you and you need something from me. That's the point of being knit together in, in the spirit. Uh, isolation comes when we forget that we are to be knit together in the same manner that a body is knit together. That's the example, the teaching that is in the scripture. Uh, that Paul gives. And so we need one another, and I, I have great affection for you in my heart today. Um, I want to, first of all, point out that this story in the book of Ruth is, um, it's, it's really a love story, but it's more than just a, a love story and the idea of how a woman became uh, of the household of Israel and uh, how she became uh, married in the house of Israel of Israel. And it's more than just a love story. Yes, there is the story of Ruth and the story of Boaz. Uh, Boaz will be the uh, love of Ruth's heart and Ruth will be the love of Boaz's heart. And that is in the story. And so there is in this story, this romantic element and everybody, everybody loves a good love story. Um, if you don't, well, hmm, you need to, I don't know. I'll just move along from that one. Uh, so I heard a, I heard a little story about a little girl who went to, who was at, at a school and she heard the story of, of Snow, Snow White and she came home all excited and she told her mom about Snow White and how Snow White had been poisoned by the Wicked Witch, if I remember the story correctly, and she falls into a deep sleep and, um, and, and she has to be kissed by the prince to be awoken and this, uh, one thing leads to another. The prince finally shows up. Princes are always late. That's how princes work. And uh, he finally shows up and he kisses, he kisses the princess and she wakes up and the little girl said to her mama, she said, do you know what happens now? And her mom says, yes, they live happily ever after. And the little girl said, no, they got married. That's different. <laughs> Um, we all of us love a love story, you know. It's 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 part of the human experience. And uh, after God, love is the best reason to live. Amen. Really, it's the truth. Now, there's there's different kinds of love, as we know. Uh, there is uh, filial love, is uh, love, family, and friendship. Uh, there is there is um, eros love. This is romantic love uh, between uh, a man and a woman. And there is there is agape love, which is love between uh, or godlike love, uh, and is truly, to be fair, is truly only offered by God. We we all of us like to think we offer offer love without uh, conditions, uh, but you let someone be ugly to you for a few years in a row and see how good that love holds up. 
we all expect things from each other, and we, we try to get to unconditional love, but yeah, that's probably more of a God thing than a human thing. And so you see all of these loves in this love story. It's not just a story of romantic love. And the, the first love you see is the, the, the love that, that Ruth has for her mother-in-law. This is, this is really interesting. Um, uh, Naomi is the one who leaves uh, the, the house where she is at. She leaves the house of Israel, and the reason why she leaves is tough times. Uh, tough times are hard for everybody. If you're going through tough times, it, it, you shouldn't be surprised when they're tough, hence the term tough times. <laughs> I know some melancholy person is writing that down right now, uh, but I want you to know uh, tough times are real. You have to make it through tough times. You have to commit in your heart. You have to commit in your spirit. You have to do kind of in the manner of Jesus where it says he set his face as a flint. He knew it was going to be bad. He knew it was going to be hor- horrible, but he would let nothing turn him away from his purpose. That's, that's, that's fine for us to see in someone like Jesus. That's even fine for us to see in someone like a prophet. But then our day comes when the Lord asks us if we can be absolutely committed to a calling, to a purpose. Can we really set our face like a flint or do circumstances knock us off track and and pain calls us to turn away before that purpose, that dream, that goal, that plan is fulfilled. And we, we, all of us have to make it through tough times. So let me just give you some practical insight here today. If you are living through difficulty, the Lord sent this preacher to tell you, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop believing. Don't stop putting one foot in front of another. Tough times are real, but with the power of God, you can make it through tough times. There will be seasons of loss in your life. There will be seasons of loss in my life. Life is not a steady chart from lower uh, left to upper right. That's not how it works. It is very much peaks and valleys and struggles and victories. And sometimes when you think you're at the moment of your biggest breakthrough, you're at the moment of your biggest trial. And then you think you're in the biggest trial, but you don't know what you're at the door of your biggest breakthrough. You do not have permission to quit in tough times. You don't have permission. If you're thinking about it, fill out form 972-Z-Y-No and submit it to the pastor. You don't get to quit in tough times. And so uh, here they are in difficult times. They lose, uh, Naomi loses her husband, and then she loses two, she loses two children. All of this happens in Moab. Uh, Moab does not have the faith of the house of Israel. Moab does not share uh, common, common faith, shall we say. They, they have their own gods, and they have in many ways lived as enemies of God's people. And so by choosing Moab, you see people, you see you see um, uh, Naomi and her family in the midst of a trial, choosing Moab, they think they're going to make their situation better. Man, if I had a dollar for every time someone has told me of a decision they were going to make because they felt like it was going to make their situation better, and it turned out to make their situation worse... I would be a a much better off man than I actually am. I wouldn't have to ask my wife for my allowance every week. Uh, I want you to know, a lot of times uh, we make plans and heaven laughs. 
In fact, you want to know how to tell a joke to God? This is how you tell a joke to God. It's hard because he knows everything, and so he already knows the punchline. This is how you make heaven laugh. You say, I have a plan. And heaven goes... Um, And so here they are. They're trying to make things better. They make things worse. They realize they've made things worse. And there comes this moment where Naomi realizes there's no reason for her to stay in Moab that represents really another way of living. Uh, They're not like cousins of the faith. They're not like a different version of the faith. Moab is an alien place spiritually. It is a spiritual other And she decides to go back home, and uh, there's no men that she has expectation of care from. She knows she's a widow. There's no welfare agency, no social help. There's no uh, Social Security or Medicaid, none of that. You are taken care of, uh, adopted by the the living male relative. This is how it works in the time. She has no living male relative that she can count on, that she knows of. She will find out she can count on Boaz, but that's all in the future. And so she tells her daughters, look, um, uh, they're her daughters-in-laws, you know, stay with your people. Um, I I have nothing to offer you. When you see this affection, this deep, deep affection that Ruth has um, for her mother-in-law, and she she basically makes this family commitment to her. I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to live how you live. I'm I'm going to adopt the world as you have known it and as you will know it. I'm going to, I'm going to adopt that. I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be part of your, uh, 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 emergency care net, so to speak. I am going to take care of you. When they get to Israel, it's going to be Ruth who has the strength to glean in the fields. It's not Naomi. Naomi's too old. She needs someone to take care of her. And, and Ruth says all of these things and they're so beautiful and they, they, each of them have meaning and, and, uh, you're, I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to lodge where you lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. There, there's something very interesting here that happens because it would have been very normal for Naomi to say, I'm going to go to Bethlehem with you, um, and I'm going to live with you, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to serve you. She did not have to adopt Naomi's God. It was very common for people to move around in this part of the world and maintain their original uh, religion, so to speak. Uh, even the wives of kings, like the uh, wives of Solomon, they, they did not convert when they came to live in the house of Israel. It would have been very common for her to say, I'm going with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to lodge where you lodge. I'm going to be with your people. And just say, I'm going to keep my gods. That would have been very, very natural. The Holy Land is the, really it's where uh, Europe and Asia and Africa all come together. And that's part of the reason why it's so filled with history. That's part of the reason why it's the crossroads of armies and emperors and, and, and kingdoms. And that's why it is known in the manner it's known. It's this crossroads. It would have been completely normal for Naomi to say, I'm going to go 
to Bethlehem. I'm going to be part of your emergency uh, net to help you. I'm going to take care of you. She didn't have to say, but your God is going to be my God. But in this moment, what Ruth does, what Ruth does that is so beautiful and is so, um, so, uh, how shall we say, filled with destiny and promise. What she does is she says, your God is going to be my God. And at that moment, she changed the course and the direction of her life. She did not know the consequences of that moment where she said, your God is going to be my God. But let me say something here today. I believe that most of us here today have already come to that moment about we've chosen God. Uh, if there's anyone who you are in that process, that, that questioning, that trying to figure out how you're going to live your life, etc., etc., I want to tell you the best thing you can do, the best thing that can happen in your life is for you to choose God. Because the moment you choose God, it is as though you have control and freedom over your past and you have a future direction and promise. In this moment, it is though you stepped outside of time. In this moment, it is though you stepped outside of your ethnic background. You stepped outside of your limitations, your weaknesses, your the things that keep you imprisoned in this world. The moment you chose God, God chose you. And everything begins to change. Yes, you see family love. Ruth is committed to her mother-in-law Naomi. Yes, you see romantic love. This is the story of Boaz and Ruth. And and Ruth, uh, she begins to glean in the fields of Boaz. And the Lord has already arranged all this. All you single people need to be reminded that God knows how to be a matchmaker. Oh, I didn't get a big amen on that one, but I think it's still the truth. God knows how to be a matchmaker. God knows how to put you. You need to quit hoping that you'll meet somebody at the club. There ain't going to be nothing but fools at the club. Sorry, I shouldn't say fools. Crazy people and problems at the club. I know you met your husband at the club, but see what I'm talking about? That's my proof right there. I'm saying God knows how to be a matchmaker. He knows how to put you. And so here comes Ruth gleaning in Boaz's field. And uh, Boaz sees her and he's like, hoo, 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 hoo. <laughs> I think I'm going to walk this way. Hey, <laughs> who are you? My name's Ruth. I'm newly arrived from Moab. I'm here with Naomi. One thing leads to another. Pretty soon, Boaz is instructing the harvesters. He's a very wealthy man, fields, companies, corporations, blah, blah, blah. He says, there's someone out there gleaning by the name of, of Ruth, and I want you to just pretend like you missed something. And uh, I want you to leave a handful on purpose. That's what the Bible calls it, a handful on purpose. So she's walking along, and she's picking up one little one here, and picking up one little one there, and then... Shazam. There is a handful on purpose. She doesn't know, but this did not just happen today when she found the handful of purpose. This happened back when she says, I choose, choose your God. 
You see, the blessing was already destined the moment she said, your God is going to be my God. Oh, are you hearing me first, church? I said the blessing was already destined the moment she said, I choose your God. At that moment, she didn't feel blessed, but she was blessed. She didn't feel strong, but she was strong. She didn't feel favored, but she was favored. Why? Because the moment she said, your God is my God, God said, I've got something for you. I want to appeal to someone here today. If you will choose God in your life, you may not know it at the instant you say, I choose you, but the Lord has a whole promise of destiny coming towards you. He has a whole train of blessings that is coming your way. It may not get there today, but the moment you choose God, you changed everything. You can tell the story of Ruth just as a story of loyalty. But you can be loyal and not be of God. You can show the story as a story of, 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 of a family duty, but you can be a good person of family duty and not choose God. Uh, this is the moment she chooses God and everything begins to change. Now something else is going to happen. It isn't long before. Uh, it's getting a little obvious that Boaz is quite interested in Ruth. This is the romantic story. Makes some of you guys nervous. That's my favorite part. And so uh, they're flirting around the corners of the field. You know, they're kind of, uh, I don't know what flirting was like back then. It wasn't like it is now. They weren't on what is it? Uh, Tinder. <laughs> hey, <laughs> three likes. I've never been on Tinder, but I think there's something like that in there. Anyway, point being, however they're doing it, they're like they're like approaching each other. Don't go home and get on Tinder. Ain't nothing but craziness on Tinder. But anyway, so uh, they're 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 in, in in the process in their culture in their culture. You got to understand that uh, culture matters. It matters. Otherwise, the stories of the Old Testament it, it, you'll, you'll struggle with them. Point is, is they they come together and they are brought into a marriage and union. And uh, what's interesting is. This Moabite woman has gone from being uh, uh, unknown, uh, un, uh, really uncelebrated, not, not even a person of faith, and now she is married to one of the leading uh, leading men of the area. So I want to show you the power of choosing God. This is the power of choosing God. I'm going to read for you uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 23, and I'm going to read at verse number 3, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Do you did you you comprehend what that law was just given? Uh, Ammonite and a Moabite may not enter into the congregation of the Lord. And so here is this woman. She chooses a God where the people who serve the God will not even let her come into the house of worship. I want you to think about that. Some of you aren't as bad as people say you are. <laughs> and they don't even think you should be in the house of God. <laughs> Ooh, it's quiet now. That's why I do my best preaching when it's quiet. That's why I go so long. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and they've decided you don't belong here. But every time you're here, you feel the love of God somehow. It's, it's like you, 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 uh, you know, there's somebody who they, they're like, oh, I don't think they ought to be here. Can you imagine being Ruth? She's the lady who's not even supposed to be there. She's not even supposed to be, even when she formally converts, which I'm sure she does, she's still a Moabite. 
She's still a Moabite. She is there on probation at best. And yet God, the moment she chose him, he chose her. Yes. Can you, have you ever lived that way? You know things aren't right in your life, but you feel the spirit of the Lord working on you. And you're like, man, I don't even know why God still loves me, the crazy stuff I've done. I don't even know why God reaches out to me, the things I've been through. I, I don't know why anyone would act like I even should be here at all. And yet when I stand in the presence of God, it is though I feel his love just pour over me like the oil that flowed down from the locks of the anointed men of old and I just feel like God loves me. I've got good news for you. God is in the business of taking people who aren't supposed to be there and putting them right in the big middle of things. I said God is in the business of taking people who don't even think they belong there and putting them right in the middle of things. You would not believe how many people quit coming to church because they say every time I come there, people look at me like I'm the worst sinner in the church. And uh, I always like to tease them and say, that's probably because you were the worst sinner in the church. And they always laugh and they always kind of agree with me like, oh, well, you know, some things happen. I'm like, yeah, some things happen. (laughs) Here's the deal. It doesn't matter. What they say, it matters what God says. And when you chose God, God chose you. In fact, God chose you before you chose him. He just needed you to agree with what he already wanted to do. God wanted to use you. God wanted to anoint you. God wanted to include you. So here you have Ruth ushered into the house of us sons of Abraham, us honorable sons and citizens of Moses. And here's Ruth. And even converted, she's still a Moabite. And when all the ways of human nature, you know how human nature is, one person calls another, well, who are you having over? Well, I thought I'd have over so-and-so and so-and-so. And then I was thinking about having over so-and-so. You wouldn't have so-and-so? You wouldn't have them at your house? I don't, I just can't. I'm telling you one thing right now. Let me tell you, you guys that do that, you're just as carnal as a devil. That's what that is. That's all that is. I know it's fun. It's fun when I talk about you. That was funny. But when I do, I'm just as carnal as the devil. Do you see what I'm saying? (laughs) Ruth has this stigma on her. She's the Moabite. Oh, God loves to tell the story of people who don't belong. All right, so real quick, in, uh, this isn't in my notes, but I did it in the 9 a.m. service, and it worked pretty well, so I'm going to try it out on you guys and see how it works on you guys. So um, in, in the lineages, we have two lineages of Jesus Christ, one through his mother and one through his father. Um, in, 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 in one of them, I believe it's, I believe it's uh, a lineage of Matthew, uh, four women, see, four women are, are mentioned, all of them. Now, now, just let me pause here for a moment. Every generation has to have a woman. You guys get that, right? I mean, do I need to explain that? I mean, I can, but I'd rather do it after church. You see what I'm saying? Because like right now, it'd be awkward, okay? But let's just say every generation needs a woman. We clear? Let's move along. But only four are mentioned. But the four that are mentioned, I, I think almost either all of them or three out of four of them are really embarrassing. The kind of people who, hmm... 
So first of all, you have Ruth. Well, this is not an order, but you, you get the idea. We're talking about Ruth. Ruth is not even of the house of Israel. She's a Moabite. And they're not even supposed to come to church for up to 10, genera- 10 generations. Come on. That's like 500 years. <laughs> but the Lord wants you to know, I'm not ashamed. Amen. They chose me. I choose them. Another one mentioned is Rahab. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. Rahab, the hooker. (laughs) Come on. It's the truth. The harlot. And the Lord says, she chose me, so I choose her. Put her in the story. The other one is Bathsheba. Everybody knows a few Bathshebas. Bathsheba is so proud of what her mama gave her. She's taking a bath on the rooftop right below the walls where the king stands. Honey, it's not hard to hang a sheet. Can I get a witness? So if you're showing your rear end in your neighborhood, honey, hang a seat, a sheet. Don't hang a seat. That would be awkward. You're already showing your rear end. Hang a sheet. But Bathsheba goes down in history as the the bathing beauty. I better stop. Awkward. Someone say awkward. awkward. God puts her in the story. Yeah. All of these people who aren't supposed to be in the story, they chose God. And so God is not ashamed to be called their God. I said God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is not ashamed to be called. Some of us come from far, like the Old Testament writer said. Some of us, we grew up so, you know, I grew up in the church. I, I couldn't find a sin on my block. My mom would beat it out of me with a stick. If, it was, if there was a sin on my, I couldn't be a member of the chess club because I might meet a girl and flirt with her. So I just went to camp meet and flirted with those girls. <laughs> I want you to know, but some of you guys come a long way. Some of you guys have gone through terrible things. Some of you have done things that you don't want shouted from. You don't want God to include your story in the story. But I want to tell you today, God's not ashamed of you. God will put you in the story. Something mighty happens the moment you say, I choose God. I choose God. My story isn't pretty. My story isn't beautiful. But I choose God. I've got some baggage. I've got some skeletons in the closet, but I choose God. And the moment you do that, oh, hallelujah, it's as though God says, I want to put you in my story. I want to put you in my body, the body of Christ. I can use you. So, Ruth the Moabitess is not just allowed into the house that God has built, but Ruth the Moabitess becomes the 
grandmother, the great, great grandmother of the one who will save the world. Ruth, this Moabitess, who's not supposed to come in the house of worship for 500 years. She is not just brought in. She is put in the lineage of the one through whom righteousness will flow. The one who will be a covering for all our transgressions. The one who will cleanse us from all iniquity. The one who will give us his righteousness and his holiness and his goodness that we might be made perfect. How? In him. The only chance you have at perfection is in him. That is the work of the cross. God doesn't just want Ruth in the house worshiping. He wants her in the story. And she says, I will go where you go. I will lodge where you lodge. Your people shall be my people. But here is where all the blessing is. Your God shall be my God. That's the moment she chooses God. Our musicians are coming. I, I want to I remind all of you, first of all, of the day when you chose God and you decided to live your life a certain way. You decided to live your life with a focus on the things of the kingdom of heaven. The scripture, uh, particularly the New Testament, uh, Jesus is often saying uh, kingdom of heaven. And we, we tend to read that in terms of lost and saved. We, we tend to read kingdom of heaven as uh, you're of this world or you're now saved. You're lost or you're saved. That is not how the Jews who were hearing it uh, were understanding what he was trying to say. Remember, he is a Jew talking to Jews. And if we want to try to understand context, we need to try to understand that circumstance. Jews didn't have a sense of lost and saved. They were of the house of Abraham. What do you mean lost? I'm a son of Abraham. Uh, they, they were they were under the Mosaic law. What do you mean lost or saved? Moses was my father. I, I'm under the law of Moses. This isn't a, a lost or saved thing. This is a who I am. This is an identity thing. That's how they heard it. And so when Jesus says to observant religious Jews, talking about the kingdom of heaven, He's not just talking about lost and saved. He's talking about a way of living, a way of seeing the world, a way of carrying your values, a way of storing up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. He's challenging you to be otherworldly in your life. That is how we pursue that the things of God. That even today is how we choose God. You see, if all we have is a label, oh, I'm a Christian, that is really not understanding what he is calling us to be. He's calling us to a relationship. He's calling us to a covenant. He's calling us to a way of living, a way of serving, a way of seeing eternity, living purposeful living through serving, living through dying, having through giving. Do you see? That is how every day we choose God. It's not just the great moment where we try to settle salvational issues. That's wonderful and not to be underestimated. But I want to challenge all of you, the vast majority of you, you feel like you've already had that day. And I want to challenge you that tomorrow can be a day where you choose God. 
You choose the ways of God. You choose time in his presence. You choose a valuing of the things of heaven over a valuing of the things of earth. But when you do that, everything in your life changes because he's the one who puts you in the story. And when you choose him, he chooses you. He has called us and chosen us. And we are thus compelled. We are, it behooves us, to use a a, a King James word, it behooves us to give our lives to him. Can I have an amen? amen? Let's all stand. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to I want to pray over you that we're going to have a prayer service. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.